are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Guys, buildarray.com. Think of it like an enterprise version of Typeform. They've got their biggest customer paying almost a quarter million bucks per year. They're doing 50 grand a month right now in revenue, up from 20 grand a year ago and up from 10 grand a month back in 2020 when they raised a 1.3 million seed round with a 7 million cap. They're building efficiently here. 80 customers paying call between 500 and 1,000 bucks a month on average. Team of six, they outsource some of their engineering to simform.com as he looks, Matt looks to scale. Hey, folks, my guest today is Matt Doyle. He's building enterprise forms and automation at buildarray.com. He's got a fascinating entrepreneurial career that includes opening the markets at the NASDAQ lunch with Richard Branson, a failed professional snowboarding career, and he spent the last three years building Rain to the platform it is today. His hands-on visionary leadership drives the team forward to overcome obstacle by following the guiding principles. Listen hard, change fast, think big, start small. Matt, you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, sounds great. Good introduction. Thanks very much. I appreciate that. Okay, so enterprise forms and automation. I mean, I think forms and I think like survey monkey type form. You're like an enterprise version of those guys? Yeah, that on steroids. So we tend to sort of like uh, work with big enterprises like Walmart, things like that. People who need to sort of take those types of paperwork up to the next level. So operations type paperwork. We tend to sort of displace legacy systems um, in organizations. I mean, what, I mean, my audience, when they think about like type form and they think about like what, what Walmart might need on top of their type form, give me an example. What is something Walmart needs that only you yeah. can deliver? Not all forms are created equal. Like some forms are used for surveys. Type forms is a fantastic tool for surveys, question by question. That's not what we try and be. That's what we are. We're operational paperwork. We're things where Excel is used for data collection, fillable PDFs, paper and pen, clipboards. So our applications work offline. You can do things like signatures, repeatable fields, conditional logic, mathematical equations. We're used for doing food safety checks, audits, compliance. So that's the type of stuff we're doing. It's just not where sort of type form would want to operate in. So that's the areas we're working. This is super interesting. Um, I mean, just looking at how you just have it on your website, I think it's cool. Turn paperwork into a mobile app, right? Um, yeah. So, so let's let's dive more into the story here, right? So, um, I, I want to get more of your background before we do that, though. What, what, obviously, Walmart is a big enterprise customer, but what does the average customer pay you per month or per year to use the technology? Uh, well, we we have that saying, you know, you know, think big but start small because we want you know people as they're approaching new technology, they want to be able to try it out. They want to do a free version. So, in Array, you can go there today. You can sign up for a free account. It has like a limitation on submissions. It's designed for trying to start doing offline data collection. So we have mobile applications for iOS and Android. So if you're doing some kind of field-based work, it's going to be fantastic for that. It's free. Uh, but then we have like the top pack is like $40 per user per month. Uh, but we, we range for people who have just one or two users uh, up to the bigger people who have thousands of users. So don't name the don't name the logo, obviously, but your biggest customer is paying what per year or or range? Um, the biggest is twenty thousand plus a month. So what what would they be getting? I mean, how many seats are they paying for? For if I'm paying you a quarter million bucks a year, yeah. When it goes up to that area, like sometimes these industries, it doesn't per seat licensing doesn't always make sense, and that's the thing for any any founder is probably going to find is software as a service makes sense to a point, but then as soon as 
you get up to the higher volumes, it doesn't make sense for different reasons. So it could be that they have thousands of users, but like they only fill in something once or twice a week, right? And can you really warrant spending that kind of, can you warrant charging them that amount of money? Or maybe the value proposition is in a different place. So we work with insurance companies and insurance adjusters. So like they might have sporadic people that come in and do the work, but every time they do do the work, it's worth quite a lot because it's per claim. So we tend to sort of work on billing in a different way. One thing we always try and do with our pricing is remove complexity so they, that we never stop them using the product to its full degree. So we never want to set pricing that they're trying to gain the amount of users they have. So we'll start to give people up to a certain amount of users for a price. So knowing yeah. that they're going to fluctuate up and down a bit. Uh, but so that we know where we are as a company in MRR and ARR, and they know that we know that they're using the product properly because uh, you know, I'm a product founder, really, and I want to make sure people are actually like getting the most value from the product and they're using it correctly. And so sometimes a typical per seat license at that higher volume doesn't make a ton of sense. To fair, fair, down. fair. I'm going to push in your average here just because it's so wide. I, it, it, it's hard for me to focus my questions when it's so wide. Would you say sort of the average team signing up for you is paying for like 10 seats or 100 seats? A thousand bucks a month. Okay, which is what, about 15, 20 seats? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Put this on a, on a timeline for me here. When did you launch the business? What year? So we, we launched quite a, a while ago as an MVP. I'm a, I'm, a, like I said, I'm a product founder, so it's quite a few years back. We launched a little product that was called Launch Cloud. When and it was that, though? It was about seven years. Seven okay. years. We had a little MVP. Yeah. Uh, thanks for doing the math on me for me on that one. And um, we were working with field marketing companies. We worked with brands directly. So we, we worked with people like Nintendo, uh, Bosch, Coca-Cola. And we found the problem with that market is it's very kind of fickle. You know, you know, they've got a campaign going on. You're the biggest thing. But then the campaign comes to an end. So then three and a half years ago, um, I moved to America. Uh, we had this base product with a little bit of revenue. We rebranded and became Array, buildarray.com, and focused more on operation and risk. So we started working on new functionality within the product that lended itself to that industry. And that was the first time we raised money. So about two years ago, we raised our first pre-seed round. Before that, it was bootstrapped, just this little app that was for some marketing agencies. And that's and where the big pivot happened for us. And how much did you raise in 2020? $1.3 million. And why did you need that money? I mean, obviously, bootstrapping is a beautiful thing. You have 100% control, no board. It's great. Why, why give up that freedom? Well, it's a blessing and a curse. Like, you know, you're able to make a, a lot of mistakes behind, you know, without too many people seeing when you're bootstrapping. Um, but it's just, you know, with software as a service, you know, if you can't kind of figure out how to get lots of customers really quick, and that can be hard for B2B companies like us, right? If you're someone like Typeform, you might be able to, although they did raise a ton of money, um, there's lots of viral ways that you could be, you know, acquire customers. Um, but we weren't able to do stuff like that. So we needed to raise capital and go after some of these more enterprise level customers. Um, so we wanted to, uh, and also we wanted to pay our staff better. We wanted to retain people. We wanted to hire How many people. folks are full-time today? So back when we raised the capital, there was only like two of us working on it. And now there's about 10. Okay. And how many of the 10 are engineers? Three. Three. Okay. Very cool. And then I guess fast forward, right? So your first your first uh, customers came from a, probably what launch cloud my users migrating into the build array product. How many customers are you serving now today? About 70 to 80. Okay. 80. Got it. Um, got it. So you, you can afford to put like a big setup fee, a lot of touch on these things, right? 
We can, but we try and let them like, you know, start small and expand. So typically a customer will start around the $300 mark and then scale up. So the, the enterprise market that we've been focusing on now, they scale over and above that $1,000 mark uh, within about 12 months. They'll be up, up, up. Now, Matt, if I'm doing my math right, 80 customers paying an average of 1000 bucks a month means you're flirting with that beautiful million dollar uh, a year run rate. You're doing about 80000 80, bucks a month right now in revenue. Is that about right? Not quite, because there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of those legacy customers that used to pay the fifteen dollar a month fee. But I'd say se- um, second quarter of next year is the plan to be where you're saying. Fair. Enough. Okay, so you're more like forty, fifty thousand a month right now. Yes, we're That's... we're like um, some of the upgrades that are coming. As so I told about landing expanding, uh, January and Q1 is is where all these big upgrades clunk into place. And so yeah, That's we'll a... be we'll be That's up there. awesome. So, so if you're at fifty thousand dollars a month today, where were you exactly a year ago? So we can calculate growth. Um, we we've probably grown about one hundred and thirty percent. So you would have twenty thousand dollars a month about a year ago. Yeah. So when we raised that like VC money about a year and a half ago, we we're making about ten k a month, and now about fifty k a month. Well, you closed that one point three pre-seed in twenty twenty, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that would have been like over twenty months ago, right? Or almost two years ago. So you're doing 10 grand a month then? I see. Okay. And then if you double that to 20 grand a month last year, and then you 130% grow on top of 20 grand, puts you at 50 grand a month today. This mm-hmm. is great. I mean, healthy revenue per employee. I mean, look, t- 10, 10 employees, right? At 600,000 bucks ARR it is not terrible of revenue per employee for, for you know, you guys at an early stage, right? You're hiring ahead of growth a little bit here. So um, what, what are the other, explain to me what the other uh, seven people on the team do. Three engineers mm-hmm. and then what? So we've got three full-time engineers. There's myself. Uh, we have a marketing guy. Uh, we have customer support people. And, it's, and then there is some people who, I don't know if you asked this, like full-time employees or part-time, I might have misunderstood, but some of those people are part-time as well. So How many are 10. full-time out of the 10? I'd say six, five or six. Okay, interesting. Very cool. And then how do you decide what to hire in-house for versus what you put on contractors? Yeah, we have some external developers who uh, I didn't mention in that three, which do look after our iOS and Android app. So um, because we don't need a ton of work on our apps, they're pretty good. It's only when things come up or features, that's one that we do like that. Uh, And then we have some part-time support agent, a support agent in the UK. So he doesn't need to be full-time. He just needs to cover the, that, that time zone. So there's that. And then we have people just doing bookkeeping here and there or accountancy and stuff like that. So things that are just services. Though. How did you find those outsourced developers? Did you work with a firm? And if so, what was the URL? I've worked for a lot of, uh, I've worked with lots of external developers with mixed success over time. And, and often like external people, they kind of go through seasons. Like they'd be amazing and something happens in their life or whatever and things go not so good. Uh, but this company, I'm happy to recommend them. I'm, I'm on their website as a testimony. Uh, so they're called SimForm. Nothing to do with forms. Not sure why they have that name, but it's SimForm. And it was a fellow founder from our, one of our venture capital partners who recommended we should try them out. And we do. We use them for QA and we use them for iOS and Android. And I've used them for some React native development as well. Yeah, they charge about $35 uh, per month, uh, sorry, per hour for senior front-end React engineer. Uh, my friends over at Yak do SimForm on the side. It was and, Justin who recommended yeah. them to me, actually. Yeah, yeah just, just, Justin's great. Um, I always try and collect the really good outsourced dev shops that founders are using because then I can recommend them out. So there's another one, guys, for SimForm. All right. Very cool. Um, and then, wh- you know, I, th- I think a lot of founders, when they work with an outsourced dev firm, they just they expect that that firm is just going to do everything for them. You have to really give a strong spec 
to get success with an outsourced firm? Like, how do you make sure and you set SimForm out up for success? Well, we're lucky we've got a great CTO, Michael Hudson, who's based in the UK. Um, but I, I'm a designer, so I give them all the designs. They have the full full designs they have there. And so normally, like I said, the apps are maybe maintained at this point. So we were moving from one company to another, so they were taking over. That's a good thing about SimForm. Most agencies don't really want to take on someone else's code, and I understand why. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, but they were good, and they they helped us take on that legacy code and helped us improve it and squash any bugs that we had. But nowadays, they're kind of working on things that kind of already exist, and they're just enhancing them or improving them. So the scopes don't have to be super complex, but... You're right. Good designs, well thought through designs and good scope uh, of like each project and breaking those down into small sprints if you're building from scratch. And again, our CTO, you know, is very senior. So he's there to help their team because they have project managers. They do have senior people, but sometimes you've got people who just need a bit more handholding and having a CTO that understands who can maybe coach them a little bit has been helpful too. Now, you mentioned your pre-seed round. You raised $1.3 Most folks are selling about 20% of the company in pre-seed rounds. Were you in that same sort of range? Uh, we had a, a convertible note, so we had a safe, sorry, a safe note, and so well, same, um, same thing. You have a yeah, cap, right? So five million cap. It's seven million cap. Seven million cap. Did, looking back now, is that the right number? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, any plans to convert them? Any any plans for an equity round? Um, we started a little bit this year, and it was just a bit frothy. <laughs> so we uh, we decided to cut costs, cut some, cut some. Uh, expenses that were around the business and get these like larger enterprise clients that were starting to upgrade, just get them in the door, get them to where we knew they were going to go. And we're going to be doing a seed round in the new year. That's awesome. All right. Very good. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite book. Um, make, uh, I'd say probably uh, crossing the chasm. Yep. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? I mean, we're all following Elon Musk these days, aren't mm-hmm. we? But I've always been a big fan of him before it was cool. <laughs> Fair enough. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building array? Um, I love Figma. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, six. Okay. And what's your situation? Married, single kids? Married, two kids, a four-year-old and a six-year-old, um, a dog and a cat. Busy guy. How old are you? I'm just at 37, October 12th. Last quite happy late birthday. What is something you wish you knew when you were 20? Um, it's a big question, I think, actually. I think um, always, you know, to always keep hold of your kind of innocence about things and excitement about things because startups is very kinetic and very physical and it can take it out of you. And so uh, always try and keep that innocence and excitement about things. Guys, buildarray.com. Think of it like an enterprise version of Typeform. They've got their biggest customer paying almost a quarter million bucks per year. They're doing 50 grand a month right now in revenue, up from 20 grand a year, going up from 10 grand a month back in 2020 when they raised a 1.3 million seed round with a 7 million cap. They're building efficiently here. 80 customers paying call up between 500 and 1,000 bucks a month on average. Team of six, they outsource some of their engineering to simform.com as he looks, Matt looks to scale efficiently. Matt, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you very much.